back. This is Low Interest Radio, episode 10, something like that. My name is Jeff. We're in my basement this week. We're in Jeff's basement. My name's Paul. I'm here with gentleman Jeff Crayley, podcasting. You know, I'll tell you the truth, Jeff. I prefer doing the show out of my basement. Why is that? Because this room is just too big. It's like an airplane hangar. You know, it, actually, these these recordings do have, like... A lot more ambient room sound in them. I don't know if you've noticed. I, I get whenever I come over to Crayley Manor, I get, get lost in the West Wing. Like I don't know where I am. This house just keeps on going. All right, it's not that big. <laughs> it's pretty big. Anyway, um, we've got a special guest with us today, Mr. Jared Thompson. We know Jared from school, from college, old friends. We go way back. Yeah, haven't seen him in two years. I don't think we should be able. We. Sh- can't really say this, but we were in Skull and Bones together. <laughs> <laughs> Should I make footsteps as if I'm just coming in the door, like coming into your lives again? Um, I'm just here. No, you're just here. Okay, I'm here. Yeah. I'm back, guys. Hey, Jared. It's, it's good to be back. It's good to be on the show. Oh. First, first time listener, first time, first time sitter. <laughs> you haven't listened to the show? Oh, whoopsies. That wasn't supposed to come <laughs> out so much. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it's good to be back, back so- home in D.C., It's good to see you guys. So tell us where you've been for the last two years. Okay. So uh, I started... Even though everybody listening already knows the story, just just pretend pretend nobody knows. Yeah, to the hundreds that are listening. Um, I started out in Taiwan, uh, and I was teaching five-year-olds over there for a little over a year uh, up in Taipei. And then after that, um, myself and two of my friends, we boogied over to Southeast Asia Starting in Malaysia, and then working up Thailand, uh, Laos, down to Cambodia, staying warm, going over to Vietnam, and then a hop, skip, and a step over to Nepal, India, Nepal, India, and then um, down to Crayley's basement. And really, this is, I feel like if there was a mountain that I've been climbing, like if there is my Everest, really, I was in the Himalayas, but this is my Everest right now. I'm I'm on top. Where's my flag? I need to I need to plant it in. I'm sorry, Jared. I live here. <laughs> oh, and we're in a basement. I guess it's it is hard to even metaphorically plant a flag in a yeah. basement. You can't you can't claim this land. <laughs> <laughs> but but do you have a flag, Jeff? No. Oh well, then yeah, I'm in. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, it's great. It's great to have you back. I haven't seen you in like two years. It's, I know. You're looking good. You're Thank looking you. fine and fresh. Very, you know, very thin and healthy, I'll say. Right back at you guys. You look great. I feel like people, <laughs> on, people on the radio, I hope they can feel it. And uh, Paul, I have to say, you dress for the occasion. Clearly, I don't know what the hell. Um, I know this is radio, but t-shirt? Well, you want, you want to know the truth? Uh, I, I'm going for, for some job stuff in the city tomorrow. So I had to get a haircut. My mom said, all right, where are you going to haircut? I said, I'll go to the haircutter. He's like, no, you got to get a good haircut. So she sent me to a fancy place, and I was wearing a Back to the Future t-shirt. He's like, no, you can't dress like that. <laughs> this place is too fancy. <laughs> you have to get dressed to go. Yeah, get yeah. So, so I had to like, uh, you know, get a button-down shirt and just look presentable to go get my haircut. But then well, that, you... that sucks because every time you get your haircut, you get those little bits of hair in your oh, shirt. Fact, yeah. yeah. And you have to change your shirt again. Afterwards, which is why I always wear my Back to the Future T-shirt when I go to the haircuttery. Mm. I think you should have stuck to it, man. Ah, uh, no. But did they did they comment on it when you went in? Were they like, "Wow, you you look 
You look great. You look like you're ready for a haircut. Well, this place was so fancy that I looked like trash in there. Oh, wow. <laughs> you got a swanky haircut. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did they shampoo you? Oh, of course. That's my favorite thing. When yeah. they, oh, they yeah. lean your head back and they give you the little massage. like oh. uh-huh. uh-huh. I, I wish I, I want one of those things in my house. Yeah. You mean a, you mean a, a hairdresser? A, yeah. Oh, no. I just, I just meant that, 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 sink, <laughs> that sink with the chair on it. Oh, yeah. If I could take a shower just like that. Like, just, just the top of my head. That's the most important part. That's my critical area. I could do pits on my own, because I've been showering with a bucket for the last couple months. Ooh, I want to hear so, that So, uh, <laughs> I, I don't mind just showering the top of my head, and then bucket, bucket, and then crotch bucket, butt bucket, mm-hmm. and then good to go. You got separate buckets for your... Well, I was supposed to use anatomy. separate buckets, but, uh, yeah, I would just kind of dip my hand in the one pink bucket, and, you know, I didn't know any better, and no one's really allowed to watch because mm. um, naked is scary in India. Okay. Um, even when they shower, they're usually wearing clothes as they shower, or traditionally they do. So they have underwear and then under-underwear, um, but I didn't have any under-underwear, so I was just naked. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Broke a lot of, a lot of Indian <laughs> Yeah, I was uh-huh. breaking some rules over there. All right, let's, let's start it from the top. What made you want to go to... Taipei of all places to teach, to teach the children. Um, well, to be honest, Paul, because I, I told you I had that vow of, uh, vow of honesty. I, I was on the run. Uh, you see the movie, the fugitive. Uh, oh yeah. The one armed man. Very loosely. Jared, are you the one armed man? Ah, very loosely based on my life. Um, I can't grow a mustache. That's the only fact that they had to change for the film. (laughs) Um, I honestly, I had a friend in one of my classes she sat behind me. Uh, I was flirting with the girl next to me about traveling, and this other girl heard me that I was not flirting with. Mm-hmm. Um, this was at Tech? Or? This was at Virginia Tech. Okay. And she jumped into the conversation. Some would say butted in. And because of that butt in, she told me about Taiwan when she went over there, and I said, that sounded great. And then I forgot about her for the rest of my life. Three years later... Um, I thought about Taiwan and it was after I had finished my master's program. Uh, I taught for six months up in Nova and they offered me a job up there and I was like, you know what? I think I'd rather travel. Uh, I didn't have any plans or anywhere I really wanted to go. So I just applied online and then six weeks later I was sitting, sweating my ass off in Taipei. Wow. That's yeah. a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah. They're really quick over there. Yeah. They're really efficient. I mean, speaking of, like, the applications, like, they got back to me the same day. And, Paul, you and I were just talking that <laughs> we we go through dozens, handfuls, bushelfuls of applications where we only get automated responses, man. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes not even that much. Yeah. And uh, I feel like those, there's no love in the automated response. And even though it says that do not reply to the automated I feel like I have to. I have to show that even though you won't show me love, I'm going to give you some. Yeah, I hate it when it says we, we regret to inform you that uh, you don't meet our qualifications. Or, they don't regret it. No, not even a little bit. They don't regret it one bit. Not even so, a So what, like, what was, what was like, the living conditions? Where were you living? In, like some shack with a uh, rice paddy bed? or uh, When I was over in Cambodia, yeah, you, yeah? you pretty much nailed it. Like <laughs> You could write the Lonely Planet description of some of the hotels I was in. But um, when I was over in Taipei, it was... I was living like a king. I mean, there's no other way to put it. They pay, um, without beating around the bush, uh, they pay doctors and white-faced American teachers the same 
salary. Wow. Yeah. So people who had to go to medical school and over in Taiwan, they have to learn in English and in Chinese. Um, yeah, they're, we're on we're on equal standing, which is ridiculous because I was just saying a a all day and so so just being white gets you far ahead in that country. Oh, it's insane! Wow. Yeah, like they were so desperate to have their kids be as pale as possible that they have skin <laughs> paling creams by like Neutrogena, like which you would never even see over here, and then the parents would put it on their kids' faces. But then they would go and, like, make themselves a delicious Reuben or something and forget that they left it on their kids. So then they would have these huge burn marks where they would be permanently pale, but just, like, little, like, pepperoni-sized marks on their head, um, on their faces because they had left the skin cream on too long. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, this is insane. And when I was teaching, it was in Taipei, and these schools cost... They're private schools. And I was teaching four- and five-year-olds, and... The money is, it's exorbitant. It's insane. They were probably paying, I don't know, $20,000 a year. I could really say $200,000 a year. I don't know. It's a lot of money. And so the kids would come in with like Burberry scarves and they would have like Lacoste t-shirts and then burn marks all over their faces because they were trying to look as white as possible. That's super weird. Yeah. So you guys could go over there and I am not joking around. People will ask you if you're Brad Pitt. Or, really? Yeah. Like, <laughs> if, you're, if you're George Clooney, are you Brad Pitt or are you um, Sam Rockwell, Jeff did you, ever, wow. did you ever tell them yes? Like, yes. Before I took my vow of honesty? Yeah. <laughs> I, I would, a little bit. There was a time where um, they want uh, Westerners so badly to do anything where they get big pub- publicity, like go on TV or be on posters, that they want you to go to talent agencies. Hmm. And, like, I'd honestly rate myself a solid six and a half, maybe seven out of ten. But over there, all four, all three of us, we're like an 11 out of ten. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, my friend Justin, he was telling me when, when, he, was in, when he was in Taiwan when he was a kid, his brother was a model. I was like, well, I've met your brother. He's not that good looking. Exactly. And you'll see posters on walls because um, that's where they usually are. Um, <laughs> you'll see posters up where it's, like, really attractive um, Asian women uh, who are locals and then a white guy who looks like he's terrified to be in his own skin. <laughs> like, he's modeling next to this girl for a perfume or whatnot, and he's trying to make that smoochy face. Um, but he just looks like he's, you know, he's got that uncomfortable boner. Like, he doesn't know how to sit next to this really, really attractive woman. And it's all over the place. Like, they're so desperate to have white face. Wow, that, that's a good career idea, Jeff. Yeah, we I mean, should go over Just there. go there and live like kings. Uh, no. you, you really can. But yeah, back to the living conditions. Um, I was living with two other people, two other teachers. Um, were, and, they, were they American or locals? Uh, Americans. Um, and they... Uh, I just met them when I got over there. So you, you show up and they put all 50 people who are new to the, the company in a hotel for 10 days. And then you don't know anyone and most of the people there don't. So I came out of the training, and we were all teaching in the same area, so we just decided to buddy up. We had a three-story um, apartment, um, and I was living in the basement. The only downside about this place was that during the summer months, we had spiders outside and cockroaches outside that found their way inside. And I'm not joking you right now. You can see, Jeff, do I have big fingers? 
Yeah, pretty okay. big, let's say. Um, this is a medium to large size man's hand that I'm holding up right now of my own. <laughs> and I want to say that there was a spider bigger than my hand in my bathroom inside of my house. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. So uh, my roommate captured this spider in a glass container and brought it to school to show his three-year-olds and they didn't have the response the fear response because they hadn't been taught it so they all wanted to touch it and this thing it's so big and evil that it actually makes like sounds as it's walking along the floor like if if Satan came back as a spider, which I'm pretty sure one of your B movies here probably is is that storyline, um, it would be one of these spiders that lived in our house. So the kids weren't scared. I I, I thought when you started that story, the kids were gonna be like, oh, one of those giant spiders. Yeah, I see those all the time. Yeah, there, there were times we would go up the mountain. Um, There's a mountain behind my house, and we would hike up. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't seem like real life even when I talk about it. But there was a mountain behind the house, and we'd go up and we'd see animals. The first time we saw a little gecko. Like, we, we were like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And we got a couple of the locals, and we're, like, pointing at it. And we're like, zigga, zigga. We're like, look at this. Yeah. Um, and they they just ignored us. And the more we went up the mountain, these geckos are everywhere. Like, the locals just don't care. <laughs> and speaking of not caring about That's local pretty, animals. Yeah, I just found this picture where, like, I guess you were on the street, and you found, like, some sort of rascal scooter with a monkey in the seat. And you can't really tell from the photo, but the monkey's wearing a diaper. Oh, uh, and that's a block from my house in front of the Chinese buffet. So monkeys just roam the streets freely. It's actually right next to a vet. The vet owns the monkey. And for some reason, she would let the monkey just sit on her motorized scooter <laughs> for hours. Huh? Yeah. But it is, uh, it was definitely bizarre to see all the animals over there. That's I mean, not, crazy. not the same as over here. There were times where we would go to the zoo with my class and I have 20 kids, and they're all on a rope. Like, it's not tied around their waist. Yeah, but, but it's, the, all... it's the holding rope that you... Yeah. They do that here. They, they do? Yeah, they do. Oh, God bless America. <laughs> yeah. um, but they had it over there, and we'd go, and we saw the lions and the zebras and whatnot. And then we went to the squirrel cage. And I'm looking in, and I'm like, where's the animal? Where are the animals? And they're like, oh, my co-teacher's like, right there. Like, they're everywhere. Look, they're climbing the trees. And I'm like, wait, where? Behind the squirrels? Like, where? what are the squirrels running from? And they're like, no, the squirrels, that's the animal. <laughs> like, they would go to the zoo to see squirrels because <laughs> you can't find those there. Ah. And I'm like, you guys would just come to my backyard, I swear to God. Like, my neighbors, they, they throw rocks at these things. <laughs> so, right. like, as far as teaching goes, like... Did did, was everything cool with the kids? Was was were they like the best class ever, or are they, are their kids just maniacs like ours are? Um, seeing that they can't understand this much English, mm -hmm. uh, they they were little piles of crazy, um, mashed kind of with. They were adorable. There's no doubt about that, and they were a lot of fun, uh, and I got attached to them and all of that. But they were absolutely nuts because they were four and five year olds that didn't know my language, and I had to teach them for um, for two and a half hours. Uh, that was each shift was two and a half hours, and I had two to four shifts every day. Um, and so the day would kind of start out, it would start at nine, and it would start with snack time. Uh, I would literally go around and feed the kids 
whatever it would be. Sometimes it would be like a shrimp rice in the morning or just a dumpling. And then after they were stuffed, and literally they had to finish it all and their milk to the point that my co-teacher, uh, who's the same age as me, she's a local, um, she would hold the kids' mouths open and force feed them <laughs> because they had to eat. And so there's 20 kids being force-fed. And then uh, at 9.15, we would hear, you know, the buzzer would go. And I'd have to line the kids up. I'd say, attention. And we trained all the kids military style to go, one, two. It's like, where are we going? We're going upstairs to sing and dance. And I'm like, good job. And then I have to give them all high fives. And then they'd go upstairs. And this is one of, there's three things in the job that I wish they had told me before. One, that I would have to be um, a dance instructor. So from 9.15 until 9.30, I had to come up with a 15-minute dance routine <laughs> to my own music uh, that usually consisted of the hamster dance mixed ever so delicately into the SpongeBob SquarePants song and then maybe Eiffel 65. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. Good and choices. So Good choices. I would do, uh, uh, who's that sweaty man with the big curly afro? Oh, Gene Simmons. No, yes. no, not Gene Simmons. Uh, no. <laughs> Richard Simmons. Richard Simmons. Thank you. Yeah, different Simmons. I would do Richard Simmons dance moves for 15 minutes, and there would be about 100 little kids doing the dance moves with me. Uh, and That's, So you had an army of child dancers. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. It was absurd. And this was the start of every day. Um, and the kids had it memorized. Like, if I messed up a move, they would correct me. Now, Jerry, do you remember the routine? Can you put it on for us I, I after could, the show? It, it doesn't translate into radio, so no. if only. If yeah, only just, just for Jeff and I. Dance for me. I'll turn. give you guys a private show. So, so you were there in Taipei for, like, what, six months, you said? Six months uh, a year? Just over a year uh, teaching over there. And then... Um, oh, one more thing. Uh, Marcus mentioned something about how legally you weren't allowed to teach these kids. Yeah, that was the second thing I wish they had told me. Uh, they told us on the last day of training, after we were already signed up and we had our locations, that, oh, yeah, by the way, teaching kids five and younger is illegal in Taiwan because they just passed a law. So every branch that you work at will have a special alarm uh, that will go off, like, caca, <laughs> uh, that ours was a bird call, that this happened two or three times. I heard, caca. And I had to stop mid-sentence, like, this is a bat. And then I would hear it. I would run down the hallway, go in the storage closet, turn off the lights, and close the door, and hide and pretend it was the last episode of MASH. <laughs> like, the police are here, and if they hear me, I get deported. Hmm. And the police would come, and they kind of had an agreement with the company that the company would pay the police. Uh, kickbacks. So the, yeah, so the police would tell them 15 minutes before, like, hey, we're coming. So hide your teachers. Okay. Yeah. Man. Um, so did the kids know what was up? Was no. it They were just like, the bird. And Jared yeah. runs away, and they're, exactly. and they're confused. And, and then I would come and back. And the co-teacher comes in. Yeah. Comes in. And uh, I would come back, and the kids would be like, Teacher Jared, like, where'd you go? <laughs> and in the States, it's always Mr. Thompson when I was teaching high school. But there, it's always Teacher Jared, which I, they couldn't, for a whole year, I was not Jared. They couldn't say Jared, so I was Teacher Jerry. Uh, I tried to correct that. I was like, fine, go with my middle name. I was like, go Teacher Stone. They're like, that's a stupid name. What's your real middle name? I'm like, it's Stone. They're like, no, that's stupid. We're calling you Teacher Jerry. 
So, uh, yeah, I would come back to the class and the kids would just be absolutely confused. Wow. Like, where, where did you go? Bird call. That's like, that's like something out of a movie. Yeah. Uh, if, if only Anne Frank had that luxury. <laughs> they might not have caught her. <laughs> Maybe in the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you were in Taipei and then you guys just started uh, just hitchhiking, just bumming around Asia? Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, we... Um, it was a... It was a year um, nonstop school. They only have one week of breaks while we're over there. You do, they don't have snow days. In fact, most of the kids in my class have never seen snow. Um, but they do have typhoon days mm. where if we get a typhoon, which we got two while I was there, all the stores except for 7-Elevens close, which Taiwan is famous because they have the most uh, 7-Elevens per capita uh, in the world. Mm. More 7-Elevens than here? Yes. Because in McLean, there are two 7-Elevens <laughs> within two blocks of each other. There are actually three 7-Elevens within, within three blocks in, of each In other. Manassas, there's a 7-Eleven next door to a 7-Eleven. I'm not kidding. That is awesome. <laughs> they're right That's, next door to each other. They, they're probably owned by Taiwanese so, people. So the, the 7-Elevens in, in uh, Taiwan, do they have Slurpees? They do, but no one gives a damn. What? It's uh, not a thing? It's not a thing. They they're get, not like cherries back? No, I know it's like it's like the McRib here, where you're like, oh my god, it's finally back. Like cherry is back. Yeah. But there, it gets over 100 degrees, over 100 degrees, 100 percent humidity, but no one wants the Slurpee. Hmm. But what they do have is a big vat. Like imagine a Dutch oven. Uh, full. Oh, I'm imagining. Oh yeah, it, it feels good to, to imagine, huh? Yeah. So we're imagining a Dutch oven. Uh, it's nice and warm, uh, but inside of this Dutch oven, which is inside of every 7-Eleven, is about 50 to 100 eggs, as well as a bag of tea the size of your head. And this sits in there on a 24-hour rotating basis so that you have hard-boiled tea eggs available for a quarter apiece. Mm. The, and they're delicious. These things taste good? They taste so good. Because it sounds like they taste good. <laughs> yeah. They look like sin. I mean, it's literally a black cauldron full of brown, soupy tea water <laughs> that's been sitting there all day. And you just ladle out some of the soup and ladle out some of the eggs. And I would have kids sitting in my middle school class, like, nom, 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 <laughs> like chewing through hard-boiled eggs in the middle of my class. Um, but no one wants a Slurpee. Hmm. Well, I guess given given the the soupy eggs, uh, makes yeah, sense. If that's an option, yeah. So like the the food over there, how about bubble tea? Is that a big thing? It's huge. Um, I, I, that's what Wikipedia had me believe that like you just walk down the street, and people are just handing you bubble tea. Yeah, and it is by far the sweetest thing that I've had in my life. Oh yeah. And um, I I've I've had just a spoonful of straight sugar before. Uh, I grew up with Mary Poppins, <laughs> so I know that's the way to do it, but. This bubble tea, they must heat it up and super saturate it because you take a little sip and your eyeballs just open. <laughs> and you can flavor it in any kind of fruit that you want. Uh, and then at the bottom, there's little tapioca balls. Yeah, yeah. They, they opened up one of those places in Blacksburg, and I would go there like every time I went to the Impo. It's like, I can't get enough of this stuff. Oh, it's amazing. It's so good. Like chewy drinks. Yeah. <laughs> it, it should be. It's like the best of both worlds. Like, I want a snack, but I also want a sugar-infused drink. Oh, <laughs> Bubble tea is the future, and the future is now. Yeah, yeah. Whenever, whenever I think about like just 
you know, like the market areas. It's kind of like Chinatown, New York, where you're just walking down the street and you see fruits and vegetables you didn't even know existed. Yeah. And there's there's fish that, you know, just the wildest looking things. Is that, is that what it's like over there in oh, real life? Absolutely. Like I was in kind of the rich tech area. That's just where it ended up my school was. But right down the street from the nicest buildings you can imagine, literally across from a Lamborghini dealership is an open-air meat market Mm. uh, where they would have just, you know, flies buzzing around, hunks of beef, hunks of pork, and there'd be fruit, and fruit that you couldn't even put a name to. Like, they had this one called durian. Uh, You might want to pull this up while I'm describing this. Um, And the fruit smells so bad... I had multiple people describe it as rotting human flesh. I don't know where these people got that image from. One of those things? Is that like one of those pokeballs? Yeah. Okay. We're talking about durian again? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you guys know about durian? Durian, uh, for some reason, durian has been uh, uh, popping up in my life. Like, for, for the past, like, maybe, like, four or five weeks. Like, I, I've been having way more conversations about this thing I heard about five weeks ago than I have about just anything. It just keeps coming up. I don't understand why. Really? I yeah. think I know why. Why? I think some people have a spirit animal. <laughs> you have a spirit vegetable. And it's a terrible stinky and fruit? And it's a terrible stinky fruit. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know what you're supposed to do when you realize what your spirit vegetable is, but I don't think you're supposed to eat it. I think that's kind of cannibalistic. But yeah, this fruit smelled so bad that there's signs in the airport that say, no lighters, no guns, no knives, no durian. <laughs> like, you will get kicked off the flight if they find out that you brought some in. How about, how about the Buddhist hand? Are you familiar with the Buddhist hand? No. Oh, I just assumed that was some sort of Asian fruit. Yeah, it's, it's this crazy-looking fruit called the Buddhist hand. Oh, that, and yeah, you, you see them in Chinatown in New York. Huh. But yeah, the, the fruit is everywhere, um, and the fruit is fantastic. Uh, it's, it's super cheap, and the guys who sell it I always kind of have a story to tell you because they want you to kind of stay and buy more fruit and things. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you'll just walk down the street, and they concentrate all of the same items together. Like, if you want to buy a ceiling fan, there's one street in Taipei to go. Like, mm-hmm. and there will be 10 to 12 stores that sell just fans. If you want to buy a camera, it's two or three streets, but they don't, like, the idea of separating out from your competition mm-hmm. is absurd to them. Like, they just go on one street, and it makes it easy for us because you're just like camera store, camera store, camera store, strip club, strip club, strip club. Like, they're all in the same place. And, um, but for them, it's all the same. Like, I don't understand why they would do it, but you could find everything you need. You just need to know the name of the right street. Hmm. Yeah, Taipei is, uh, I guess, I I don't really know too much about it. I was looking it up. It looks like a very modern city. Oh, yeah. And much bigger than I thought, like two and a half million people. That's pretty big. It feels more modern than New York City. Yeah. I mean, God bless this country. It's good to be back. Chipotle and all that. Um, But it felt... Like, they were so efficient and so clean. Like, it is by far the cleanest city I've ever been to. Um, there's no eating or drinking on the subway. Uh, New York, take a hint from that. And, like, just walking around, there's no trash anywhere. Which is night and day. I'm jumping ahead a year, but 
night and day from like Nepal and India where people are literally shitting in the street uh, and there's trash everywhere. Ooh. And you just wouldn't even believe that, you know, people are, they, in my mind, they don't take pride in their home when they just throw their garbage right in front of their house, but it's just normal. And that just kind of blew my mind. Yeah, I mean, it's just not what I was expecting. Taiwan, you know, I, I just assumed that Taiwan's whole economy was supported by McDonald's toys. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know, like made in, yeah, yeah, where I was staying. But I guess that's all been kind of shipped over to China. So they're big into Acer now and, and the laptops. Um, but yeah, they've got a booming economy. And they love squirrels. That's really oh, yeah. the, the takeaway message. Okay. So Taiwan sounds like it's a good time. Let's take a break and then we'll get into the rest of Asia. So, Jared, I heard about your balls. Many people have. What What did you hear about my balls, Jeff? I heard about that you had a little a little problem, and then you had a had a back alley surgery that cost like four cents. And, yeah, uh, if if that, and uh, the conversion rate it was like two cents while I was over there. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So why don't, why don't you start us at the beginning? Okay. Well, I'll, I'll start with when I realized that it was a problem. Uh, you know, there's the normal normal state of affairs where you're sitting with. You know, the equipment that's the the right size. And then one day I looked down and I was sitting with, um, you know, approximate, you know, ping pong ball, strawberry, whatever it may be. And then uh, next to it was, um, God, it was like a softball. And something was drastically wrong with that image. Uh, so I go into the doctor and he's like, yeah, that's that's not right. Uh, we need to take care of that pretty pretty quickly. And it's nice because you go into the hospital and I didn't know how to speak any Chinese. Uh, and they can help you out. Um, but I had my coworker write in Chinese on my phone, Hi, my name is Jared. I have health insurance. And I need to see the nut doctor. And <laughs> so I was walking around to different people and just holding up the phone. And they would look at it. And giggle and then look at me and see my face was like stark white. Doctors are giggling at you over, yeah. your, over your medical condition? Well, the, the information people were, they're like, oh, this isn't a joke. Like, he needs to see a, a, the nut doctor. Yeah, I got to um, get off this Wikipedia page. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't uh, don't be looking at those. Right. Um, yeah, you start to get paranoid. Yeah. Once you, once you know what it is, exactly. you're worried about it. You should be worried. Um, so I finally saw a doctor, and it's funny that just like um, – what I said about the talent agency, where you go to the front of the line in front of all the people that really are more attractive than you. In the hospital, you go in front of the line for the people who've been waiting all day because we're, you're a foreigner. So they just let me see a specialist within 15 minutes of me getting to the hospital. And he checked me out. And then the next week, I was signed up for the surgery. And so I get into the hospital. The Well, let's be specific here before we start talking about the surgery. Yeah. You, you had a hernia. I did have a hernia. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's, and it took a week? A, it took a week, and they said, as long as it doesn't feel like it's going to pop, <gasps> then you're okay. And I'm like, ooh. Like, but what if, God, like, what if it does feel like I'm go it's going to pop? Because it's not like I can wake up and be like, oh, I'm going to pop. It's time to start the surgery. It's like, oh, I'm going to pop. The hospital's closed. I don't know how to do this myself. Uh, what do I do? So it was a tense week at school. Um, what was what was dancing class like that week? <laughs> no jumping jacks. It was a lot of a lot of stretching. 
Uh, there were times where we we had been drinking a little bit too much the night before class, and exercise time would be a little lackluster on on some mornings. But those kids, they they knew it anyway. Uh, but yeah, I went into the hospital to, um, to do the surgery, and I'm sitting in a room with two people who have extremely, you know, terrible diseases. They look like they're on death's door, and I feel like I'm okay, except you know, my nuts triple sized. Uh, but I'm like, oh god, like they should be able to see the doctor before I should. But then the nurse comes in, and she's really nice. Uh, her name is Wang. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's true to fact. You know, I'm going with honesty and she, uh, her and I got to talking and she's like, okay, tonight it was like six. She's like, don't eat anything else. I'm like, oh God, I'm starving. Okay. I'm not going to eat anything. She's like, tomorrow morning, we're going to wake you up. Uh, we're going to go ahead and do the surgery. And so I just kind of wandered around the hospital until about midnight, just trying to not think about food. And at 6am in the morning, they shake me awake. And they're like, it's time. Put on this onesie. <laughs> and it's George of the Jungle style where it's it's like assless chaps. I have nothing on the backside. And then I lie down in my bed. And they wheel me out. As they're wheeling me out, they strap me in. Like there's three, excuse me, three straps that go over my body so that I don't run away. I don't know. Uh, and it's 6 a.m. My, my ass is cold. I don't know where I am. And they're wheeling me down a foreign hallway into the surgery room and I see all the OR doctors are all around me. They're looking down, speaking their native tongue, which I don't understand unless they say hello. Um, and then they look down one finally says in English, do you want a spinal tap? And I said, yes, yes, I do not want to be awake. Please give me the spinal tap. And they're like, okay. They're like, are you ready? I'm like, yes, you need to sign. So I needed to sign a form that I couldn't read uh, to, to okay the surgery. And then they give me the spinal tap and they put me under with the gas and they said I'd be out and I would just wake up. But I distinctly remember waking up midway through the surgery and feeling they had to cut through. So they didn't cut at, um, they had to cut at my waistline, just below my waistline. And somehow I don't like thinking about this. Somehow they worked down from my pelvis into my my testicles and um they figured out the problem from there but i, I just imagine a doctor's whole hand kind of working down mm. um but i remember waking up midway through being completely numb from the belly button down but feeling tugging like just forceful pulling and then i hear them chattering really loud while looking at me something that probably translated to oh my god he's awake <laughs> um and then they put the mask back on me and I passed out again. And I wake up uh, to Wang. Uh, she's looking down at me. I'm back in my room. I'm like, hi, hi, Wang. How are you? And she's like, good. How do you feel? I'm like, I feel okay. Because uh, I didn't feel anything. I was completely numb. Uh, they'd give me painkillers. And she's like, all right, here's a button. If you need to use it, that's your you know, twice daily dose of painkillers. Uh, you're probably going to need it as soon as this numbness wears off in about 30 minutes. And I'm like, I don't think I will. Like, I feel great. And a little bit out of it. But she was right. Within 30 minutes, I felt like I was dying. Um, the pain just kind of kept coming in waves, and the tide was just growing. So I hit the button, and then for five minutes, I was just, like, floating. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to get addicted to hard drugs, and it's going to be awesome because this feels <laughs> so good. 
But then I quickly went from heaven to hell because I got so nauseous. I threw up on myself. I threw up everywhere. I threw up in the bathroom. I threw up in the my pan. And Wang, Wang is like, I'm... Wang comes in to help. I'm... I can't keep my clothes straight, so my... My personal Wang is showing to Wang, and she's, Wang's trying to help me with Wang, 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 Wang. And I'm just sick all over myself, and it was just awful for, for 24 hours while I was kind of recovering. And Wang and I keep talking as I stay another night over there. And um, one of the things that I was surprised of when I came out of there that they didn't tell me, or they told me in Chinese and I didn't catch, was, we're going to shave you. <laughs> completely like a bare bare baby's bottom so i got a free bikini wax uh i've never been so clean like i didn't even get any bumps i almost wanted to get another testicular surgery because it was just so nice to be that free um but i look like a newborn um and uh so then i i came out of it i was signing out uh i was like wang thank you for taking care of me uh, I'm sorry you got to see me so sick. And she ended up asking for my phone number. <laughs> so I ended up going out with Wang uh, a couple times afterwards. We went to the night market because that's where all the kids go. Um, seriously. People don't go to the movies. People do not drink. Period. Um, they go to these night markets where there are tens of thousands of people um, where it would be as cold as it is right now out in the wintertime. But there's so many people jammed into such a tight area with food being made everywhere that it feels hot. Hmm. And you just walk around the streets. It's kind of people watching while in motion, while eating a lot. And we went, went out on a date over there. I tried to hold her hand. She got scared. And I realized that that was my first introduction to the dating culture over there, that they don't really do it. And yeah. And it's normal to live with your family until you're married. Yes. Yeah. I was I was asking my friend, we were on the topic of, of dating culture in Korea. Yeah. And I was like, so when would it be appropriate for a dating couple to sit next to each other at like a family function? And her response was not until... The couple had been okayed by every member of the family, and it was like an approved of relationship. Yep. And there was clear intent that in the not too distant future, they would be married. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's a very, very different yeah. sort of set of standards. And there was, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so different in that way. And you just kind of see um, there are people that I were with where you could just feel like it was back in, you know, back when you had your first relationship where you're just nervous and you're like, how do I do this? And, um, it's, I, I wasn't comfortable with it for that reason, because I felt like they should be going through the motions with, you know, someone in the same timetable. And I feel like I was, I felt like in days and confused where it was, uh, what was it? Uh, Matthew McConaughey? Is that who it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah, where he's like, you know what the best part about high school girls is? You keep getting older, and they always stay the same age. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm I'm just, there's just too much of a, not an age difference, but 
I'm not even like an experienced guy, but it's just such a, it's like your first date versus someone who's like a freshman versus a senior in high school. Just that, that difference. That was the feeling that I got. I guess, I guess I, I've, I've heard that, but like just culturally, they're very different, but I guess I've been a little bit thrown off by all the Vietnam war movies I've seen where like the Asian women just throwing themselves at the soldiers. Well, if you go to a bar, then yeah, you'll see that. Because I mean, you, you were saying that the white people are just treated like kings there. Like, mm-hmm. is it that way with women? Yeah, and again, at the, at the bars, it's a totally different thing. They they're going after the foreigners, and I was I was hanging out and going out with people I met at like hiking clubs and school and work things where they were more entrenched in their culture, as opposed to people who knew about the war movies and about American culture mm-hmm. more. Um, but yeah, that was definitely, definitely different. Um, but you see guys who are going out with locals and the locals know that the teachers make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So they're after the money a lot of the time. Yeah. So you, uh, this is something I've never experienced being a target for material. I know. Gain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, you, you yeah. want me to buy you thing? I don't, I don't understand. But yeah, is. I mean, the shopping malls over there would put Tyson's Corner to shame. Seriously, because every time I walk into Tyson's Corner, I spend about 30 minutes just walking around in a daze that is just like, look at this money. Look at this ridiculous display of cash. Oh, absolutely. And Tyson's is impressive in that respect, but you, you have the second tallest building in the world with a Louis Vuitton and those kind of buildings, those kind of stores inside for the first 10 stories. Wow. And you can look up and see the whole thing. And then people are so rich over there that this one man, his wife liked Louis Vuitton as well as 10 other stores that were very similar. He said, I'm tired of you going to the stores to buy those things. I'm going to buy you a a fancy building downtown, put those stores inside of it (laughs) so that you can shop at those stores personally and then I will open up the building to the public so that we can make some money. Wow. Yeah. So I assume those stores are only open on certain days of the week. I, Other days are I, reserved I, for... I never went in, yeah, for yeah. her. But it was, I mean, just extravagance. And, I mean, the money is so, so huge over there. But again, there was a Lamborghini dealership. I had Lamborghini, Bentley, um... Harley Davidson, every high class car was in five blocks of my house where I was paying $300 rent. And then right across the street from my place, you could get a bucket of noodles the size of your head for a dollar. Wow. Right next to the Bentley dealership. I like noodles. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You will eat, if you go over there, you will eat noodles at the wazoo. Like that is, it's funny talking to the locals that they say, I'm not full until I have rice or noodles. Like, I, it doesn't count as a meal unless I had rice or noodles. That's interesting. Yeah. Wild stuff. It's filling, filling food. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is a ridiculous contrast. Bucket of noodles, Bentley. drive off with a Bentley. Yeah. yeah. And we were even thinking the plan was to get dressed up and to try to go for a test drive because we felt if we walked in in a suit, even in our 20s, they would let us drive a Bentley yeah, <laughs> because we were a bunch of white teachers. And it's either teachers or software engineers are, it's everyone there, which is, you know. So you didn't, you didn't follow through, through with this plan? No, we got too busy going to, uh, going to get noodles and going to karaoke, which by the way, do you guys know KTV? 
No. No. So instead of karaoke here, it would be like your enormous basement, Jeff, yeah. where um, someone's up on stage uh, with a microphone much like this. and Oh, no, it's like the little booth thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, uh, they have one over in Annandale. Really? Yeah, we should go because it's so much like, fun. Yeah, we should. <laughs> so this is like it. the little booth, they, it films you? doing it or what is this i don't oh, know what you're talking no, about i don't know the filming yeah is i think it, i think it's just, no 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 you just get your own little booth you get about yeah. like six people and you go and you have like a Coors light and uh yeah and uh you sing madonna songs yeah and it's so much fun yeah which would yeah. be like it would be a blast like what you're saying where you you drink a little bit and you sing the songs that you know we would go with co-workers for three hours and they would never have a drink like yeah. stone sober karaoke for three hours, <laughs> songs you don't understand or know, and we would just kind of sit there like, uh, "What are we supposed to do?" Like we're we're just we're just sitting. But I imagine doing it here with yeah. friends would be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's um, I've, I should say one of the one of the times we went, um, my uh, my friend's cousins, who she was Chinese, and um, her cousins were. F- uh, exchange students from China, and they were there. Um, so they were actually like Chinese people, Chinese culture in America. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're all kind of up there, like singing, like "Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls," and like kind of making asses of ourselves and having like a really good time. And then um, one of them goes to sing it, and he's just like hitting the notes perfectly, like. Like, he's meant to do this. Like, yeah. Like, it's like... And he's, like, very sincere about it. And it's definitely just, like, two completely different approaches to karaoke. Oh, oh so he yeah. was Asian. Yeah. 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 No, he was he was Chinese. He yeah. was an, uh, not an exchange student, but, like, an international student at, like, uh, some college. I forget. Yeah. Um, and these, these rooms are... I guess in Korea, they're used as kind of love rooms as well because people... Because you live with your families... Like, yes. I had a co-worker who was 36. Yes. She lived with her, her parents still. Which, guys, if we can't find real jobs, that <laughs> mm-hmm. could be us. Um, but, yeah, she was 36, and she until she was getting married, she would be with her family. And so people go to KTV and the night markets to just get the hell out for a little bit. And I think I think like a lot of, a lot of like cultures around the world, like, family sticks together much more than does here. Like, oh, in Mexico, oh, yeah. like, the... Like the families, they'll all buy houses on the same block, like mm-hmm. right next to each other. So yeah. they all stick together. But here, you know, like my family is like all around the country right now. Yeah, and people like go out of their way to get away from their family here. Where I'm jumping ahead to stories, but when I was staying, I was staying with the family in Nepal for about two weeks. And the kids were my age. Uh, there's two boys, one girl. And at night, they slept on the floor on inch thick mattresses. And the boys would hold each other through the night, uh, not because they needed to stay warm, just because that was comfortable. The mom would hold the daughter, and the dad would sleep, you know, however he wanted. And they wouldn't have it any other way. Wow. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Like, if, if a family did that here, they would probably be on the news, and uh, oh, absolutely. family services would be called in. Yeah. I mean, that was... I was with them long enough that I got to... I helped them out at their shop. They had two cashmere rug stores. Did you join the dog pile on the floor with them? They or? wanted me to. Oh, yeah? And there were a couple nights after dinner that we I did. I would lay there with them. But they they gave me a room. Uh, but they said any night I wanted to sleep with them, that's where they would rather me be. Hmm. And um, I just wasn't... I'm such a light sleeper. I was really close to them. Like, they felt like family. But 
I wouldn't be able to sleep. And walking down the road with the guy who's my same age, we'd be talking and he would just hold my hand. Like guys in that culture, if you're close friends, you're doing like interlocking fingers uh, like a couple over here walking down the street. And someone described it to me as because homosexuality is so not an option, like it's not even a thought. Like no one would even look at a 30, two 30 year old men laughing and holding hands walking down the street as gay because it's just, you don't see it. So it's just two people that are really good friends. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, which was definitely culture shock. The first time he reached for my hand, I was like, just, you know, you're in a new culture. Accept it. But then I got that that middle school sweaty palms. And I feel like he could probably feel it like, oh, he's nervous. Why is he nervous? Like, what's going on? But, uh, yeah, then towards the end of my stay, we would walk down the road and I'd be holding hands with the guy. And just the the other tourists would kind of look at me like, why is this American holding hands with a Nepalese? Um... But it just felt normal after a while. Um, just like the personal space over there, I got used to sitting down next to someone and our legs and arms touching. And now over here, it feels almost, well, I'm getting used to it again, but it felt weird for a while to go back to the, you know, such a space between people. Mm. Uh, so I saw a picture. Yeah. You were riding an elephant. I was riding an elephant. How was that? That was awful. Awful, right? Uh, it, was, it was terrible. Uh, I got on the elephant, and I was like, all right, I'm riding an elephant. Was like, this, where was this? Like in the jungle? Uh, I was in Thailand. Um, northern part of Thailand up in Chiang Mai. It was like this. It's so funny. You go into any town, <coughs> and every single store also does elephant rides. <laughs> like They're like, we know a guy. Like We don't care who you talk to. We know the guy. So everyone's selling elephant rides. You can get tours anywhere. So I did a one-day tour where we did elephant rides and a couple other things, whitewater rafting. Was it like riding a big horse? I've never been on a well, – I went on a horse once. But, yeah, I guess, uh, except really old and slow. And the guy that was leading it, he had this stick with a spear on the end that he would poke the elephant if he was moving too slow. And so – I didn't know he had that until we were on. So it was myself and two girls that I was uh, traveling with that day. Um, we got on the elephant. And we're like, woo! Like we're on an elephant. <laughs> and then he started poking it with the spear, and we're like looking at each other, like he doesn't need to do that. <laughs> like the elephant's walking just fine. But he kept poking it, and we were on there for forty-five minutes, just kind of like stop, stop. Like we don't want to stop poking him, uh, but. We just did a 45-minute circle through the jungle, and then we stopped, and it was very obvious that as we were driving down the road to this place, there were probably 20 of these elephant farms doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Like, tourists come in, you get your 45 minutes, you leave. People are so mean to elephants. Uh, I, ha I had a couple of interviews with Barman Bailey's circus. I, 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 was trying to, I was trying to become, like, one of the people in the circus that, like, travels on the train and, like, uh, I was going to be one of the sound guys that, like, sets up the mics and the rafters and all that. Part of the application was I had to swear that I've never been a member of, like, the Animal Liberation Front or all that stuff. So I, I was like, geez, that's a – I have to 
I had to agree that I wasn't a member of like 25 different animal rights groups. That's hilarious. So I went and looked, I went and looked up at like the hidden video footage and like, yeah, they're mean to elephants here too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wait, like you, just you did bad. this. You wanted to work at the circus. Yeah. I mean, uh, Barnum and Bailey's, they, they travel by train. Like you get a, you get an apartment on the train and travel with them. Go to, you're in a new city each week. So I really wanted to do that. I was all set to do it, but it didn't work out. Hmm. Because you like elephants? No, no. I said, you know, I said, no, I'm, I've, you know, I, I eat meat. Like, you don't have to worry about me. I'll eat a burger right in front of you if I need to. I'll eat a damn elephant burger. Yeah. You just show me where. Yeah, I had, I had a few inter- interviews with them, but then they just stopped calling. Yeah. <laughs> Bummer. Very sad, very sad. Yeah. So, okay, let's get back to it. You left Taiwan. Okay, left Taiwan. And uh, Did you have any plans, or was this just fly by the seat of your pants for six months? Uh, I was traveling with two people uh, at first for about a week. Uh, we went through Malaysia a little bit, uh, went through some temples, saw some things, but then they, uh, I decided I wanted to do my own thing. Uh, so I went north through Thailand by myself and they went south. Um, and then I just kind of flew by the seat of my pants. By yourself? Yeah, by myself. And, uh, it's funny how with a lonely planet, really you don't even need the lonely planet. You just show up in a new city and you ask. What's the Lonely Planet? Uh, the Lonely Planet is just this big guide for Southeast Asia. It's like 500 pages, and it just tells you how to get between cities, how much hotels should cost you, mm-hmm. and what scams to watch out for. Um, and I would just roll into a new city like Chiang Mai, and it would say, if you want to go do a cooking class, here's where you can go do a cooking class. Don't go to this one because they use raw, rancid meat. Go to this one. And then I would just ask people. I would just walk into a bar, and it's totally normal over there. To just, if you see tourists, striking up conversation with strangers is completely normal. Mm. When I was down in um, Carborough, I was eating alone in a Chipotle. Uh, I'll come back to Thailand. But I was eating alone, and I sat down, I had a bite, and I just got back from Taiwan and the travels, and I was like, you know what? Eating alone sucks. Um, and if I was traveling, then you you never eat alone. Like, you're always eating with someone. If there's If there's other tourists around, you eat with them. Um, you just go sit with them. So I was looking around the, the, the restaurant and there were two guys that were my age that had a booth and had an open seat. So I got up, uh, and this was in Carborough and I just, I stood over and I was like, Hey, can I, can I eat with you guys? And traveling around, there would have been no hesitation. It would have been, of course, like, come sit with us. You should have never sat alone. But here I got to look like, are you out of your mind? But they looked at each other like, well, I guess he asked. <laughs> so they let me sit down. And then it was great. I had a great dinner. Um, but just that's one of the culture shock things coming home. Like, you just don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so normal over there. Like, you would never be – you're only alone if you want to be alone. Okay, before we get back to your travels, let me ask you. I know you're a Chipotle fiend. Yes. How sweet was that first bite of burrito on your lips Ooh. after two years? Honestly, I ordered the wrong thing. But the oh. second bite, the second time I went back, I mean, I'm hungry right now. I don't want to think about it. But it was that good. Yeah, it was good. It is good. Jared, yeah. have you been to a diner since you've been back? No. Oh, well, maybe. No. All right. Well, then we're doing it tonight. All right. Oh, God. Okay. All right. After done. we're done this, we're going to the diner. Perfect. Okay, cool. Don't drive past Chipotle or else we'll have to stop there. For yeah, I was going to say. I yeah. could eat two diners. There's no Chipotle on the way. Okay, perfect. Okay. Okay, so, so after... Then you went to Thailand, is, is that right? Then, uh, yeah, then I went to Thailand. Uh, I was able to ride an elephant. And while I was in Thailand, I did a cooking class 
where I think it was in Thailand, where this is one of those things that I wasn't sure I wanted to go through with. They, um, oh, it was in Vietnam. It doesn't matter. It was a cooking class. Uh, they, they take us to the market beforehand and they let us pick up all the fresh ingredients. And it's wild because, like, here in America, you, you can go to Wegmans and see we have 12 different kinds of bananas. Mm-hmm. The same thing over there, they'll have 12 different kinds of their, their local fruit, like 12 different kinds of bananas or whatever it may be. And one of the things we saw at the market, we saw a bunch of different kinds of eggs, and she pointed to one. She's like, do you know what this is? I'm like, no, but I think you're going to tell me. She's like, this is a food that they only eat at night. And I'm going to bring it to the restaurant tonight. So the 12 of us that were in the cooking class are like, okay, we're excited. So we go and cook all of our meals and we have dessert. And then she gives us this egg and she's like, okay, I'm going to tell you what it is. They take an egg that's fermented. And then as, so this egg has a baby chicken inside of it. It's right about to hatch. And then they cook it. Ooh. You know about this? Yes. Yeah. I saw this actually, on Star Trek. Actually, the way I've heard about this is it's uh, they do this in sort of like south, like islands around New Zealand, kind of that area. Yeah, it's not even cooked. It's just like baby chicken egg, crack a hole in the bottom, crack a hole in the top. Slurp. Oh. Like no, that's it. Thankfully, this <laughs> they cooked the yolk and everything, so it was a it was a mushy hard yolk, but the chicken had little hairs on it. And it was developed. Like, it was about to come out. And you literally crack it open. That's the saddest meal I've ever heard. Yeah. It sounds adorable. It is adorable, but it's delicious. Yeah. And um, so... Did you eat the entire bird? Uh, I just took one bite. Someone told me after that I got a bite of its ass. Um, <laughs> the so bones, just, too? They're not developed enough, so uh, it's all soft. But it just, with lack of a better word, it tastes like chicken and eggs. Because you have <laughs> the yolk and you have the chicken and you just... You just close your eyes and scoop, and you would go um, along the main bar strips in Vietnam. It's so cool because you just have all these all these local restaurants where there's the weather's so calm that you just have tables set up along the street, and all the chairs are facing the street. So you order your food, and then you just people watch, mm. like who's walking up and down the street, and then they have, I would say kegs, but it's just coolers of beer uh, for like a 50 cents you can buy a big big glass of beer and then order whatever food you want and you're just watching the locals go by and you're just sitting there surrounded by tourists um that you can just turn to your left turn to your right and strike up a conversation um and yeah you you see people eating these eggs on the side of the road and the locals i saw eating it would not look down like they're they're eating and you know it's a delicacy so Vietnam's, a, it's, I guess it's a big tourist destination now. Oh yeah, really? Were you in North or South Vietnam? I guess they're they're the same now, but uh, we did this. We did the North um, during Chinese New Year, and then the South during my three months. Um, so, so I know it's been forty years, but there's no bitterness over the war and all that. I don't think they liked us still. Oh really? Yeah, I distinctly, especially in the South, I distinctly got the impression that they were not happy. That just sounds like the South here. Yeah, that's true. Except not that uh, they don't have sweet tea. Mm. It's kind of a bummer. <laughs> but yeah, it was um, it was funny in the or no in the north they were very upset. Um, sorry, in the, in the south they were all very nice. And well, that's how the war went. Yeah, fight, yeah, fight in the north. Yeah, and someone described it so well: the work ethic 
in Southeast Asia, they said uh, Vietnam, they plant the rice. In Cambodia, they put their ears to the ground and listen to the rice grow. In Laos, they watch the rice grow. And in Thailand, they pick the rice. Because it's all slow moving. It's super slow. But it's so slow in Laos and Cambodia that literally... In Laos, there's only three jobs you can have. You have your own business, you work for the government, or you work for Beer Laos. That's it. Where they make beer? Yep. That's oh. the only beer you can get there, is Beer Lao. Is it good? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I was in this town. It was a little island town. It's usually a tourist destination. It's like five blocks. Um, and it's just it's just hippie bars. Like, where you can go in, and for $5 U.S., you can make anything happy. Like, you want a happy shake, they're going to... It's just weed in anything. I mean, you can get a pizza or a lasagna or anything. When you say happy, what do you mean? Like, enough weed to wa- knock you on your ass. Really? Yeah. Like, I'm sitting there... Um, dear mom, stop listening. <laughs> um, I I went in. It was like 4 p.m. This town was deserted because I was there off-season. Uh, and I'm there with this this guy from Slovakia, who he had dreadlocks and just looked the part. But he had a he talked like a regiman, but he had the Slovakian accent. I can't even fake it. But he told me he's like, I'm just gonna do the reggae accent. He's like, Yeah, man. When I I came here, and the owner of this bar called the Reggae Bar. You see the sign? And I look at the Reggae Bar. It says the Reggae Bar. I'm like I I see. It's like the owner of the bar. He look at my dreads. He says, you want to work in my bar? I tell him, man, I got to go back to Slovakia. He says, no, you stay here and you work in my bar. I've been here for eight months. So this is the normal attitude of the people, the travelers who stay in Laos. And so I ordered a happy shake over there. And we got to talking for a couple, um, for a little bit. And I, you can't smoke in Taiwan. They, it's punishable by death. Like there's a sign when you come into the airport, um, I think it does say drug trafficking is punishable by death. Like, mm-hmm. it's serious. So I hadn't touched anything pretty much my whole time over there. And then I finished half of the shake, and it was a big thing. And I'm kind of talking. I'm like, hey, how, how does one of these sit with you? Because I haven't had anything in a while. And he's like, oh, man, if I have a whole one of those, I regret it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? I'm like, you Because you, he's been smoking the entire time we've been talking, I assume all day, every day. And I haven't touched anything in this long, and I'm halfway through it, and I'm like, Jesus, oh my God. And then it just kind of all hits me at once. And I end up kind of like, I'm like, I need to leave. And so I leave the restaurant, and I end up just kind of stumbling my way through the town, barely able to find my way home, because in the whole country of Laos, 11 p.m. curfew. Lights out. Curfew. The police will harass you. I mean, there no restaurants, no bars, nothing stays open past 11. All the lights go down. So I was terrified I wasn't going to be able to find my way back. So in the middle of the night, well, almost curfew, I have my cell phone out. I'm trying to – I'm in these muddy streets in this deserted tourist town, uh, island tourist town, and I'm, like, going with my cell phone trying to find my, my bungalow. Um, it was on the river, and I had – there was two hammocks and then just, like, a – shitty bed with termites on the walls and you know no real pillows and bed bugs and everything but it was two dollars and so i'm trying to find this place and i find the street and i'm i'm so high that i'm like i'm beyond terrified and i'm almost hallucinating 
and I'm, I can't find the entrance to my house. I'm on the street, and I'm like, I know this is where it was. I'm going back and forth, back and forth. And then I noticed they locked me out because it was so off-season. So I had to, like, shimmy my way into my own compound and then make my way into my $2 bungalow and where the only light, I'm not joking, is one of those swinging lights, you know, that's hanging from the ceiling. And I'm just like, never again am I taking happy shakes from a Slovakian reggae man from the reggae bar. Um, but yeah, that, that was Laos. It was just, it was absurd. And you just see the people. There's, there's marijuana and poppy um, growing everywhere. So everyone's on opium or they're high. And... Like, we went to a bus stop. If you're in a bus with tourists, which is about 40 people, ranging from 18-year-olds to 80-year-olds, they always make you stop midway at the worst food stand you could ever imagine. Oh, yeah, because the, they're getting the, there's the bus driver, food man, yep. yeah, uh, man. relationship They get the on. kickback. Yeah. Um, which I just thought was hilarious, but we stopped at this one, and I see this woman coming down the road. Like uh, the old Hulk TV show where it's like got that scene where he's just kind of walking. But she's coming at us and she has something in her hand. It looks like yo-yos. I can't really tell what it is. And as she gets closer, I'm like, no, they're just they're just big poppy plants. I'm like, she has, she has opium that she's just walking openly with. And she has a ton. And she's going up to these, to everyone who just got off the bus. And she's like, opium? <laughs> opium? You want you want opium? And I'm just like, she's the nicest drug dealer I've ever seen. She's like, you want to try? You you can try. It's okay. And she goes up to this 80 year old couple, and I'm, I've been watching them, just loving this, because they're watching her the whole time. Because I think they know what it is, but they're terrified. So they're watching this woman. Like, is she gonna come up to us? And she comes up to them, and they they like like crawling back in terror and this woman's like you can try it's okay like you you have you want you want because it's like a dollar for an absurd amount over there and yeah i mean she was just it's it's just everywhere you just walk around the fields and you just see it and when we were hiking in nepal there's you look at the map that the government made the map and it just says marijuana fields and you just pick it up like it's everywhere Wow. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the people don't really, uh, the cops, like when we were in Laos, uh, there was this, I'll tell this story quickly. Um, but there's this, this town called Vang Vien where when I was traveling through Laos, like you hear, it's like an incoming tide, like an undercurrent. You hear people, it starts to whisper talking. They're like, are you going, are you going to, to Vang Vien? And at first I was like, what? What the hell are you talking about? They're like, oh, you don't know? It's okay. Don't worry about it. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. And as we get closer, like the whispers get louder. I'm like, all right, what is this place? I'm going to have to go. So I'm with a group. I've been traveling with these guys for like a week or two. Because um, traveling alone, you just buddy up. Like I never was alone for more than a day or two. I just kind of latch onto a group. Um, and so I was traveling with this group of people, and they were gung-ho about it. They knew they wanted to do it. And they're like, you're going to see, man. Like we don't want to tell you. You're just going to see. We're just going to tell you there's tubing and it's a good time. So Laos is like one of the poorest countries in the world. And you go into a town, it's just dirt roads, it's just shit. Um, but when you get into any tourist town, like it's probably two blocks where they have little guest houses where you spend maybe four or five bucks. And it's like a terrible motel around here. Um, 
except they serve banana pancakes because I think they heard that Jack Johnson song too many times. I don't know. Any tourist town in all of Southeast Asia will have banana pancakes. And so we get there. We get there too late at night, and we're like, well, there's people in the bar, but I don't really get it. So we're like, well, let's just go to bed tonight. We'll see what's up in the morning. So then we get up in the morning, and we're like, where's tubing? Because uh, we're surrounded by mountains, and we know there's a river close, and we heard that we need to do the tubing. So they take us to this office where they just have mountains of inner tubes. And they're like, you buy a tube, and you get in that tuk-tuk, and they'll drive you 20 minutes down the road. And we're like, okay. So we get the inner tube. We get in the tuk-tuk, and we're in our bathing suits. We're like, we don't know. uh, Oh, sorry. It's like a truck where you just sit in the back with six people could probably fit. They make 12 fit in there. Um, So we're going down this dirt road just bouncing along, and there's, you know, the the jungle to our right and the river through a jungle to our left. And we drive into the jungle and we're like, where, what are we doing? Like we're in bathing suits. We feel ridiculous. And then they park. Uh, they're like the river's that way. And so we're like, okay. So we walk towards the river and then I'm like, I, what is that sound? I hear Justin Bieber <laughs> and we're in the middle of nowhere and there's the mountains everywhere. And then you go through a clearing there's a river probably the size of this house, double the size of this house, um, and it's, it's moving really quick. And along the river for five kilometers, there are bars that are the size of this house where there are between 50 and 100 foreigners dancing and drinking buckets of liquor, um, listening to Lady Gaga, Justin Bieber, and it's just dotting either side of the river. And so the goal is you get in your inner tube, and you swim towards a bar. Mm. And then when you get close, they have water bottles attached to string that the locals they've hired uh, toss you the water bottle, you grab it in your inner tube, and they pull you into the bar where instead of buying beer, they I'm not joking, they have buckets. They, put, they just take a thing of vodka, a thing of Red Bull, and they just dump it until the bucket is full. And that's $2. So you have a bucket of booze. And people would go through five to ten of these in a day. And then you finish at one bar where they they have specialties at each bar where maybe they'll have a 40-foot slide that goes into the river or, you know, uh, a swing or something like that. And then when you're done at one bar, you know, you're dancing or whatever, you just go to the next bar. And there's no walls. It's just wide open. And so just dotting the whole river, you're just going from bar to bar and... At least one person dies every week on this river, is what they told me. Ooh. Yeah. Just too drunk tubing down the river? Mm-hmm. That sounds like the craziest place on earth. It is. It doesn't feel like real life. And then you get back uh, to, the, to the bar areas, and you ask the people who work there for the happy menu. and Just like the other happy place. Yeah, but okay. these happy menus, I did none of these things. Um, they, they have buckets. Instead of paper menus, like you ask for the happy menu and they laugh and then they just slam this metal bucket down where they had scrawled in pen. They just, anything you could imagine, I mean, they have, they have marijuana and, you know, opium and mescaline and PCP, like anything. You just, it's just written on the bucket and it's like $5. And so then you go tube all day and then when the sun goes down, you got to get back into town. Um which is insane because there's the river forks about 3K down. One goes into the middle of Laos where no one speaks English. It's just farmland. 
and one goes back towards the tourist town. And I was with a girl that lost, got lost track of the group, and it was pitch black, like the sun had gone down. She went the wrong way, and then she ended up screaming for help. And someone pulled her in out of the river, and they just pointed that way. And she showed up at the bar two hours later, bloody, and she had had to walk through fields and farmland and just make her way back to town. Like, it's just... Well, that would be the scariest thing ever. Oh, yeah. She was beyond upset. And it was insane. Like, just things like that where you're like, what is this place? Like, this cannot be real life. And it's just nuts. I stayed there for two days, and I was like, I got to get the hell out of here. Now, on any time during your trip, did you ever fear for your life? Hmm. India. India? Oh. Yeah. What happened in India, Jared? I feel bad I'm going to miss this, but I really have to pee. Do you pee? Do you pee? I'll be back. Yeah. Um, There's just... It's the only place where I... I, Maybe I shouldn't say fear for... uh, No, I never feared for my life, but I did... um, I've never been so uncomfortable um, and just fearful, unable to trust people. Like, going to Nepal... People look you in the eye, and when they say something, it's like they all took an honesty pact. Like, I don't even understand how, but they were the most welcoming people I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And they welcomed me into their home. I stayed with that family for two weeks. Everyone that I talked to was that nice. And then I go down to India, and I'm just buzzing from that good experience. India's, it was the opposite. Like, they looked me in the eyes, and they scammed me, lied to me, stole my money. Um, and I've never been so put off by, I, I hate generalizing the whole country because there were some really, a few really great people that I met and some good food and some good sites. But the vast majority of my time there was, you know, trying not to get scammed. Mm, how, how long were you there? Uh, two weeks. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah, I was, it was definitely an experience, but someone else described it perfectly saying India stands for I'd never do it again. Mm. Yeah. Which they just nailed it. I mean, I would suggest to no one to go there. Um, No, I I take that back. I would suggest no one to go there without knowing what they were getting into. Yeah. I know know the Beatles had a good time there, but I mean, this sounds pretty awful. I feel like I could have had a much better time if I hadn't just had... I was in heaven in Nepal. Like, it's... I would move back there. To Nepal? Yeah. But then I... I think I set the bar too high, and then going into India was just... It's just madness. It was... New Delhi stretches forever, and it's dirty. There's just shit everywhere. And... Is it, is it mostly poverty there? Because every once in a while you hear about, like, the Indian billionaires, but then... Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the, the image of India I have is just dirt poor. Oh, it's dirt poor. It is unbelievably poor. But the separation is, like, the guy that scammed me into getting a package um, travel deal for my two weeks, I paid him, this is insane, but I paid him $50 for a taxi for an entire day because he told me... That was my only option. Like, he he somehow got... It, I don't even want to go into the scam because it was multiple people, multiple tiers. It was... I'm almost impressed with how well they were able to orchestrate this thing. Like, people outside of the business who were in on the scam. 
and just pulling me off the street multiple people multiple times to lead up to the scam. Um, so then I paid $50 for this day-long tour, and the guy that was giving me the actual tour, they were paying, I think, $4 for the whole day. So the guy that I paid the money to, he he just had to sit in his office and just reap all the benefits where the guy who's working his ass off, driving me around town, telling me about everything, he was making no money. Hmm. And so you just see the difference between the rich and the poor is, man, it's huge. Wow. Well, do you eat a lot of curry? I eat nothing but curry. <laughs> yeah, because India and Nepal, unless you're rich, you only have one meal. Like Nepal, the family I was staying with, 365 days every year, they have two meals a day, and every meal, it's the same thing. It's called dal bot, and I could eat it for the rest of my life. It's that good. It's that good. And it changes just a little bit each time that they make it because they use just slightly different spices. It's a huge plate, like the size of, God, uh, uh, it's bigger than your laptop. Uh, it's, it's as big as that table. Like, it's as big as a, a, a extra large Gumby's pizza for you Blacksburg folk. And it's huge. And they give you half of that is full of rice. And then split into three on the other side is vegetable curry, lentil soup, and this white yogurt that really is there to make you shit after you're done because it's such a carb-heavy meal. And they're such a hard-working society, and because you only eat twice a day, that literally they eat as fast as they possibly can, and then it's limitless. Like if you go to a restaurant, you'll probably pay $1.50 for – it's called Dalbat. And they will feed you until you pop. Like, there is no limit to how much food you get. Now, uh, I've heard about India that you only, you eat by, with your hands. Yep. You only eat with your right hand, though. Only right hand. And why is that? <laughs> because... Why don't you, you eat with your left hand? Because Jared? you shit in a hole in the ground, and there's no toilet paper, and you wipe your ass with your left hand, and then wash it off with a bucket that is full of sink, dirty sink water um, next to the toilet. And But the thing is that their food, 50% of the time, if you have enough, a little bit of extra money, it'll come with bread. And I see them tear the bread. They're wiping with bread? Uh, no. No. no oh. They're eating a meal. And I'm like, the first time I saw it, I'm like, how are they going to tear that bread with one hand? Oh, God, they tore it with two hands. And there's no soap anywhere. So did you wipe with your left hand? I did that a couple times, but I I just carried around toilet paper. Uh, just because I, I was sticking to my guns. Yeah. <laughs> with that respect. But, um, yeah. Plus, I couldn't get it right. Like, I never felt clean wiping with my hand. Like, I, I'd, like, wipe, wipe, wipe. And I'm like, I'm getting, like, I'm just digging. I'm just digging in a, in a, in a dirt yard. <laughs> like, this is, this is pointless. <laughs> But, um, yeah, there's no soap. I couldn't – in most places you go, they'll have a sink, and you just wash your hands off. But I went to the hospital with my friend who had a um, – he's had a – he was just sick. Uh, I was one of the family members. And I go into the stall in the bathroom there. There's a naked woman drawn on the hospital stall, which I thought was classy. And then in the hospital, they didn't even have soap. No dispensers, nothing. Well, Yeah. So at, at what point during during your travels did it kind of change over from because it because it just kind of sounds like there was just so much that was just so different yeah at what point did it kind of change from oh wow to just like that's what they do here 
Yeah. Like, like, like where different did the... shit, different day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you did you ever get into sort of a rhythm of just oh. like this of strangeness? Like, yeah, or something? absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You nailed it. I feel like Taiwan kind of got me ready, but really, there's English on all the signs in Taipei. You you can go, you can live in Taiwan for a year and never learn a word of Chinese. Okay. But as soon as we got into like Laos and Cambodia, then from then on, I was like. Every day I'd wake up and just be like, this is, I'm going to see some weird shit today. Like, we're going to have to stop the bus because there's going to be a landslide on the goddamn road. And we hear, like, we'd stop literally the landslide on the mountains. And people would, we'd talk to them and be like, yeah, we heard a couple of weeks ago people were stuck for two days in their cars. Because you're miles from towns and there's a landslide, so you just need to wait until people come to clear it. And you just see, like, I was on a twisty, turny car. I think there were 15 of us in a car that was seated for eight. And they were passing around bags because the driver was driving as if he was in Mario Kart. And people were throwing up all around me. And then they would throw up in a bag, toss it out the window, ask for another bag. And the, sh- the guy driving, riding shotgun, he was like the accomplice. Like, it was just normal. Like, you will throw up on this car ride. <laughs> like, this was the locals. This wasn't even the foreigners. Like, I'm sitting there just like, thank God I did not eat anything. But the locals next to me are just like, blah. And then thrown out the window, and then they wait like five minutes. We go twisty turn, blah. Wow. And it's just like, I look at it, I'm like, this, once again, how can this be real? I imagined 15 minutes after getting off that bus, you feel amazing. Oh, you feel awesome. I'm like, I could do anything right now. I don't know about you guys, but I don't like to throw up. I don't either. I but there's hate like, to throw up. There's like sort of like this after you puke effect that's just like very much, you just feel very very clean. Yeah, you feel cleansed. But yeah, exactly. You do. You really feel so, cleansed. So, yeah, that's just what I'm imagining is that after the motion sickness kind of wears off, you just feel like you've been on uh, some cleansing yeah. crazy bus ride. Oh. But yeah, you really nailed it, Jeff. There's like, I just kind of gave up. Um, trying to go into any day and expect anything because I, I just couldn't. And there were times where I guess I'll jump into the meditation retreat. When I did uh, the, the 12-day meditation retreat, like going into every day and just waking up at 4 a.m. with the sound of that gong and just knowing, like, you know, in America here, I'm like, well, what am I going to do today? What are my goals like, I want to learn this, or I want to do work, or I want to accomplish this. And I, literally every day I would wake up at the meditation retreat and be like, what am I doing today? Oh, all I'm doing is meditating. That's it. Those sound like the laziest people on earth. Yeah. You can, like, you look at the guys in, in Nepal, and they just, it's normal to just sit in front of a store all day. Like, they're just happy to just sit. Not even sit, they have their squat as if they were... Just taking a shit. They don't get bored? No. I, I, uh, someone from India really described it well. I was like, how are you guys happy just doing nothing? And he looked at me like I was crazy. Because I, I ask this question a lot to a lot of people. Because I, it's so different over there. And they're like, you Americans do it wrong. <laughs> He's like, if you're not unhappy, then you're happy. Stop worrying about it. And he was like almost angry. He was so adamant. I'm like, whoa, like you're, you're right. Like you're, you're definitely right. But for some reason coming back here, 
I find myself constantly checking my cell phone, wondering what other people are doing. Am I as happy as them, as you know, good-looking, as toned as them, and things like that? Where really traveling around, those concerns were there at the beginning. But when you're surrounded by people who just don't give a shit, you just stop caring, which is really freeing. But then coming back here once again, I'm I hate I hate it, but I'm checking my phone while I'm talking to other people, and I feel like an asshole. But, like, it's just normal. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've gotten that, too, where I'm sort of, like, addicted to checking my email. Yeah. Like, I haven't done it since the start of the show, but usually, like, if I'm just sitting for, like, an hour, I'll probably check my email at least twice. Yeah. yeah like, I was going to yell at you. When we started the show, you had your Facebook chat open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's a good... I was talking to Joe's that. that. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, no, I know just what you mean, and I'm, like, in the same way I couldn't expect certain things going into India... Like, I'm coming back here, I've decided to just kind of go with the same attitude. Like, who am I to say that one way is better than the other? Because there's definitely still people that are unhappy over there, in the same way there are people unhappy here. But I feel like we're just more vocal about it. We're like, I want, 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 want. And over there, I'm not sure if it's because they can't afford it or they've just come to terms with it. But they don't seem to desire stuff in the same way. Definitely not things. They don't give a shit about things. So yeah, I, yeah, I've heard that like the happiest people on earth are the ones that make three hundred dollars a year in Africa or whatever. Yeah, those people are always the happiest because they don't they don't have anything to worry about. Like well, malaria. Yeah, malaria. Yeah, you, you might die really early, but uh, that's even kind of sobering. Like yeah, and I, I feel like the 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 fact of death puts things in perspective. It does. It bit. really does. Yeah. So. You're gone for a year and a half. What did you miss most about the USA? Other than Chipotle. Ah, damn. <laughs> um, really, friends and family. I mean, that's the the cheesy answer, but if it weren't for you guys and, you know, cool. like friends and family, I I wouldn't have come home. Oh. Yeah. I would have stayed in Nepal. It's no doubt in my mind. Interesting. Yeah. What if we went there with you? I already told my family if I could get him to go, I would rather be there. Really? Yeah. You don't think after a while you would maybe uh, any number of years after American culture progresses like 15 years and and you see reports that it's and it's just as foreign and strange as Nepal is yeah. now that that maybe you'd get homesick, you would stay there forever. I I didn't get homesick for stuff here. It was okay. only people. You know, I think as long as, if I was over there, as long as I had the internet and I could just keep up with what's going on, I think I'd be all right. Why would you even bother, though, That's if you were over there? Know. Like, you wouldn't be even surrounded by it. It wouldn't be part of your, like, material life anymore. Well, there, there, there are cultural things I like that, you That's know, true. I'm interested in. See, I, I was, too, and then I stopped. Like, I stopped reading Pitchfork, which that was a five times a day thing when I was back So you in, haven't heard any music over the last year and a half? I was listening to local music the whole really? time that I was really traveling around. I had my iPod. I thought I'd listen to it all the time. But when I was doing the three months traveling around... So you, so you haven't heard, like, the new Radiohead or the new Arcade Fire or any of that? Oh, no. That was when I was in Taiwan. I heard that stuff. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Did you hear that St. Vincent album? So my good. brother just gave me that. That is incredible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. was, was going to play it in the car on the way to the diner, but I'm glad you've heard it. Yeah. <laughs> that and uh, he gave me... He gave me, I think, four albums that... This is all the music I have. Like, my iPod is empty. I have nothing. All I have is the new Kanye and Jay-Z, which... Pretty good. It's pretty good. You've heard... It's you, fun. Have you heard... Have you heard Fantasy yet? Oh, it's, that's brilliant. Oh, I yeah, mean, okay. that's... 
hands down one of the blah, 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 blah. But yeah. he gave me the new Kanye, which is fun. I love it. Uh, St. Vincent, great. Uh, the Supremes, which... Great. Have you guys heard The Supremes? Like, yeah. Good Lord, I know you have. I know you have. Um, uh, he gave me The Sonics, which I'd never heard before. Oh, I love The Sonics. They're I was going to say, you need to talk to my brother. Yeah. Um, Probably. Is he still married? Did he ever get married? Almost. I never heard the end of this story. Yeah. We'll have to talk about this later. But, yeah. Okay. Al- almost, but yeah, that, that was done. I guess the, the two other albums um, that I really enjoyed... Oh, the new Girls album, which... Wow, I, I like that. <laughs> I didn't really get that into it, honestly. Yeah. But I, 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 think I see the appeal, but it wasn't and really I, I've been here and I haven't heard any of these albums. Really? Besides, oh. besides the St. Vincent. Have you heard Real Estate? Uh, oh, yeah, I, I saw Real Estate a few months ago. How were they? Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. That's They remind me of kind of... My brother says the shins, I say built to spill, but kind of more meandering about with both of those sounds. I, I love it, though. You know, I've been hearing big things about real estate, and that description right there just was like, oh, uh, I don't think I'm going to like real estate. Yeah, I, I don't think you'll <laughs> like real estate. Yeah. But yeah, with the local music, like, I heard, I did hear the new Eminem album, only because we finished up hiking Annapurna. So we get up, we go over um, the pass at like 15,000 feet or so, and then the next day we take a Jeep down. A two-day, I think it was like 15 hours, uh, in this car with the driver was named Lucky, and uh, <laughs> which is good, uh, because we all slam in this car, and um, so we're sitting there, and his iPod only had three artists, and it was on shuffle. It was um, the new Eminem, which uh, was pretty good, seeing I hadn't heard American music in months. Uh, the new Lil Wayne, which is ridiculous. I haven't heard it. And, uh, um, oh, traditional Nepalese music, like without just bastardizing and destroying the culture. Like it's very, (laughs) so you'd have that right into Lil Wayne, right into Eminem and then back to, and I loved it. Like Mm. it was great. Yeah, how much how much of like the American culture is like permeated over there? Is it <laughs> Taiwan is huge, as we were talking about. But uh, the less money a country has, the less it's there. Mm. Now I hear Korea is making a big play for the for the Asian sort of pop superstar. Oh yeah, um, how is that yeah. coming over? My brother just told me about this. I didn't actually hear about it till I got back Did home. Did you go to Korea? No, no, I wanted to. Your brother went to Korea though. Uh, no, one of my friend, one of the guys I was traveling with okay. for a week, he did it for a year and he said, this is true. I've found jobs already, multiple things listed online. They will pay for your airline ticket over there, which is about a thousand dollars. They pay for your rent for the whole year in Seoul in a nice apartment. So that's another four thousand, five thousand dollars And they pay you more than in Taiwan. Wow. Yeah. He says he paid off his a good chunk of his loans, and he had a lot. Yeah. One thing, I don't know, like Korea, I think Korea sounds pretty great. I would go there probably for a while at least. Something about the fact that, like, they get around in, in like, arenas and just watch people play StarCraft, it's very weird to me. Yeah. There was uh, two channels on TV in Taiwan where it was just StarCraft 2. Just watch people playing StarCraft. My brother and I, we had a bottle of wine, and we watched a little bit of StarCraft 2. I mean, it's like watching. It's like watching a football game. Is it entertaining? 
uh, a little bit just because they show the faces of the people. Like it's oh, not that just is the screen. Awesome. So it's like like they're so intense. It's like photon turrets. Yeah, <laughs> he's it's like, like making that. And he's just like he starts to sweat and he's like, oh fuck, yeah. oh god, oh god. Uh, but they're so into it, and I just I loved that. I loved no, it's, it. It's so silly how into it they get. Yeah, like I mean, just like hardcore StarCraft players have like the build times and everything worked out in their heads to the point where like they they're going into the game with uh with a schedule. Oh yeah, like they're they're working on the clock like hard. It's amazing. Yeah. Like they are they're machines playing yeah. that game. And it does look like a computer's playing it because they're so like they're just moving so quickly. But um, yeah, the, the computer culture over there is like there are multiple internet cafes or computer gaming cafes that my students, my middle class students, my middle school students would go to after school um, if they had any free time. Because normally they go to school eight to four. They see me from four to six. They have piano from um, six to eight or some instrument, and then they have to do all their homework, which they told me take two to three hours every night. So they finish up at 10 or 11, mm-hmm. and then they do it again. Those are busy kids. Yeah. Is that all year round? or mm-hmm. Wow. Man, it's no wonder that... like They're super efficient, but they kind of have a little bit of... Like, something's a little different socially, just because I feel like you're... You're working so much, so hard. And you see kids that are, God, I had this one poor little 10-year-old. He's so, he's so stressed that I had to assign them creative writing. And there would be, it'd be a piece of paper. On the bottom half is lined so they could write in English. And on the top, there's just a place you could draw. And it would say, tell me a story about the zoo. Because we had just gone through the vocab of the zoo. And his mom had pushed him so hard that he he had perfect English. Like, he could have taught the class at 10. Um, but he refused to draw, so I had to give him 50% on his creative writing, which I'm like, Nicholas, you're the smartest kid in the class. What's the deal? And he's like, no, I won't draw. And you just sit there and cry. And I'm like, finally, I got out of him. I'm like, what happened? Like, talk to me. And he's like, my mom says I was, I'm, I'm no good at drawing, so I don't like to draw. And so his mom saw one of his drawing once, and said, you're no good, you need to practice more. Like, that was really bad. And because of that, he he would just break down and just start bawling if I asked him to draw. And it's just that kind of pent-up kind of... Uh, that I don't think you see as much here. But, I don't know, we have ADHD everywhere, so maybe we do. Mm. Hmm. But it was just... It was scary to see this poor little kid. Like, I'd say the class loved to draw. I mean, shit. They don't have to... Normally, we would play games, and I'd make them stand up and be like, all right, now 15 times we need to say, how many bananas are there? There are 15. Julie, is it how many bananas is there? No. And we would just do that. Like, drill, 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 drill for two hours. And Drill, baby, drill. Drill, drill, drill. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Driller. But, um, yeah, it, it was just little things like that just kind of blew my mind. Hmm. So you spent all this time over there in uh, pretty pretty impoverished areas a lot of time. So was it weird coming back here to Northern Virginia, which is a fairly affluent area? Yeah, especially when my goal was $10 a day. And then to go to Chipotle and get spend $10 for a meal and a drink. And just to go out with my family, which, you know, 
we're all we're in a well-off neighborhood, so to go and have a you know a nice dinner with a bottle of wine, uh, with the whole family getting together, and to see the bill for a group of ten people to see the bill of like hundreds of dollars is like oh my god, like that was my whole budget. Oh yeah, for it's, a month. I feel like coming. I feel like that coming back from college. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. It like, is, and the, it's, the, it's normal. Yeah, yeah. Like the the actual price of a dollar. Like nowadays, like yeah. when I'm out working, like I am in my mind calculating how much I'm making an hour, how much driving time I'm doing, mm-hmm. how much I'm spending on gas, and I'm doing all of this calculation in my head while I'm going from place to place. Like yeah. the amounts that it that like it adds up to, and then you take into account, account like there's somebody making like a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, like it is ridiculous. It's like when insane. you when you try to look at all that in a scope. How do you kind of deal with that? I don't. I yeah. just kind of go uh, agape, and I'm just like, wow, yeah. wow, money, so weird. The difference. Like, it is. It really like, is. But I feel like in the same way that the Nepalese family would worry if a meal costs an extra fifty cents, I hear my family and just people around this neighborhood, like when I go into Reston. And they're like, uh, I don't know if I should get the Bentley or this because the Bentley is an extra 10000 And it's the same conversation as if you just did Mad Libs and took out like, can I afford a, a, you know, broccoli with my meal? Or can I afford a Bentley instead of a BMW? Oh, yeah. Like it's it. And I've I've decided since I've come back to just keep, you know, kind of that same open mind about it that it's it is the same. Like I feel like we we make more money, but it's the same stresses. Uh, it shouldn't be, but people, it matters just as much to people here and there. And I, I can't get over it, but I've just, in the words of uh, Outcast, play your part. And <laughs> I feel like that that's just it to me. I feel like I'm, I'm unemployed and trying to be cheap, and I'm going to do that, but I'm going to watch my family spend a ton of money and yeah. just, just enjoy it. Like, if I get to go join them, I'm not going to bitch about it. Exactly. Yeah. I, I feel you on that. Yeah, no, it's, I, I told you I was working at a music shop. Yeah. It's really weird to watch people just kind of wander in with their kids, and their kids might be like, I want to play guitar, or something like that, and they kind of just say it off the cuff. Maybe they, they've said it before, maybe, and they yeah. just happen to be in a music shop. But anyway, like with no intention of spending money... They like walk into the shop and drop like five hundred dollars yeah. on like guitar case, amp, books, like As strap. It's, it's nothing. Oh, let me give you, let me sell you some strings. Oh, you're gonna need this tuner, like you know, yeah. sort of thing. It's it's nuts. Like, it is, and yeah. I, I feel like it doesn't even it doesn't even occur to them. And where you're like, man, I'm making ten dollars an hour. Yeah, that would take me. That would take me 50 hours to get what he just did as if it was nothing. Yeah, it's absurd. Yeah. To, to like, watch that. And that's part of that culture shock coming back where I just, I don't know how to really deal with that. So I guess I'm just kind of just throwing my hands up and saying, that's ah, just the way it is. Mm, yeah. Like, l- what do you guys think about the, the protests going on now? I just heard about this. Just heard about this. I just <laughs> heard about this. This has been, like, the biggest story for, like, four months now. Last week, I heard about this for the first well, time. Well, to be fair, Jared's been kind of out of the loop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just saying. But, yeah, what, what do you guys think about this? Uh, you know, I, I definitely agree with what they're saying. But the in- income gap in this country has gotten insane in the last 40 years or whatever. Got to do something about that. Yeah. I mean, and that the laws are set up, you know, the law, laws are bought and paid for by the richest people to protect themselves. So, yeah, this country is 
sort of going out of control. Yeah. In that in that regard. But what about the protests themselves? Because what I was reading just yesterday was they don't really have a goal. I'm fine with that. Like I I like that on honestly because it's they're just kind of they're challenging the notion I guess that like a protest should be necessarily about something and is like I know like the situation coming out of college is shitty for a lot of people and like it's probably even shittier for a lot of people who don't go to college it's even shittier for them so um I don't know how to fix things like my comrades don't know and I'm motioning at you don't yeah. have political like economic plans for the future uh and the idea that a, a protest should be expected to know have have like a plan or like a manifesto or like some sort of economic uh program to fix everything is kind of ludicrous that's true so yeah, I, I guess I guess the, one of the things about it was it really did just start with one little protest in New York, and then it just like a wave, like took over the country. Yeah, and then also like uh, like other parts of the world, like they're having these Occupy protests everywhere. They had it down in Carborough, like a tiny, yeah, tiny yeah, they, town. They had Occupy Virginia Tech, which well, I thought was a little silly, but you know, I guess That's... they're they're occupying everywhere. It, it felt silly down at – that was the first time I had heard of it. There was three tents outside of the post office, and I'm like, what is yeah. this? Yeah, it's it's everywhere. Like uh, I saw it in L.A. when I was there, and, and I'll probably see it – I'm going to D.C. tomorrow. I'll probably see it there. But the thing is, you know, they say they don't have goals and, you know, there's no clear-cut, like, agenda or whatever. But uh, it's definitely working. Yeah. It's definitely – it? the, the, the high-up people are afraid of it. They're going out of their way to – to shut it down to put an end to it hmm. you know they're like wall street's paying off the nypd to you know bust heads out there yeah so it's definitely the people on top are you know taking notice and, you know, the, the little guy's not going to take it anymore yeah i remember listening to mbr and they were saying something along the lines of just like they went and checked the amount of references to fat to wealth distribution in like media sources Basically, after Occupy Wall Street came along, uh, the number skyrockets, which just basically means that they've pushed that agenda into the mainstream, which is totally which a is success. Good. Um, hmm. The reason I bring it up is because I've been getting into baking, uh-huh. uh, not like sweaty, uh, okay. sweaty balls baking, but okay. um, I've been baking a lot, and I was thinking about, I have a new biscotti recipe. Okay. I was thinking about bringing some biscotti to the Occupy people, do you think they would want some of my biscotti? I think they would love your biscotti. Okay, good. I don't know what we're talking about right now. What, you, you're telling me you've never had biscotti? That's that hard bread, right? With yeah. chocolate It's on like it? a burnt cookie. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I have that biscotti. Yeah, have you dipped it in something? Specifically something delicious? Like coffee. Like coffee. coffee. Oh. Um, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't drink coffee, but... Um... Oh, you should, you should try <laughs> It's good. So yeah, is your idea for a business is selling biscotti? No, I would just give it to them. Okay. Uh, hey, you know, you you know you're gonna you're gonna get them hooked on your biscotti so that you can just sort of you know manipulate the the market. Exactly. Here. Distract them from their occupy movement. Yeah. Get They're, them all to be one biscotti. Of the re- one of the reasons I missed you over the last two years is I haven't had your pumpkin cookies. No. I Jared had makes those these yet. amazing soft pumpkin cookies that will blow your mind. I should have brought those. You sh- you should I, have. I this afternoon was spent making. Banana jam, and I was pickling cucumbers. I wish I was joking. Tell me more, Grandma. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, I am now 80 years old and I wear a shawl. Uh, but I, w- I should have brought you pumpkin cookies, Paul. Next time for the next show, I All will right. bring it. Yeah, Jared, we're gonna we're gonna have to have you back as long as Definitely. you're in the area. Yeah, you're you're gonna be on tap here. We gotta yeah. do a real show. We talk about real stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. We like we other stuff on the agenda. Do you want to get to it, or should this just be the Jared travel edition? No, this is this is definitely the Jared. We've done uh, okay. roughly a hundred minutes of talking about about Jared's twice yeah. as long as any other show we've ever done. Yeah. Oh, okay, then we can. Yeah, we can. Uh... We'll we'll talk about Jared's love life next time. Oh, right. Yeah, I was gonna say we can we can. Yeah. I don't know if you do you wrap it at a hundred. No, sure. we just go, oh, okay. yeah, I guess we do. Okay. We'll probably cut all this nonsense out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe. Nah, whatever. I don't we know. give him a good old over and out. Yeah. What's that? Over and out. So wrapping up? Yeah, let's do all it. All right, let's this do it. Low interest radio, I think it was, what, episode nine or ten? Ten? Yeah. Ooh, double digits. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess this is, we should celebrate by going to the diner. I like it. Let's <laughs> go to the diner. Going to get a diner? Yeah. I'm yep. going to get a Denver omelet. And maybe some hot chocolate. That's that my plan for the good. night. I kind of want a sausage sandwich. That sounds good. I'm going to get a delicious Reuben and ask them to put extra bacon. Ooh, I had a Reuben yesterday. <laughs> well, this is low interest radio. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll see you when we see you. Uh, what was it? You can email us at lowinterestradio at gmail.com. Uh, we, we don't check that until we actually say it. Like <laughs> The only times we actually check that email address is... Right now. Oh, and one more thing, Jeff. What? We used to give your Twitter out. I went to go check your Twitter to keep up on the Crayley bandwagon. You blocked your Twitter. I can't read it anymore. Yeah, because I'm afraid, I'm afraid that tutoring parents will do searches for me <laughs> and see me saying things like, do you want to touch my turtle <laughs> on, on yeah, Twitter? Like, I, don't, I don't know what you're up to anymore since I can't read your Twitter, and I don't want to get an account my, on my own. You know, I haven't posted anything in about a week. So, right. well, so he's been up to it. Yeah, it's been yeah. a busy week. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a good show. Jared, thank you for being here. Thank you for letting me join. All right. Mm-hmm. And now, now that we're going to be off there, you can tell us all the erotic stories. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs>